So Acts 17.31 says, For he has set, talking about God, he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man that he's appointed. Talking about Jesus. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him, Jesus, from the dead. He's given us proof. The proof that God still is in control is the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. God is still in control because Jesus rose from the dead. The proof of the resurrection, resurrection is what our faith is based on. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14, and the New Living Translation says it like this, and if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless. Think about that. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, all of our preaching is useless. And your faith is useless. So because we can, we, we can look at that from a different direction and say, because Jesus was raised, all of our preaching is useful, and our faith is useful. How about that? Amen. And it's all based on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Lee Strobel who is a, he, he was a writer uh, for the Chicago Tribune, an investigative writer uh, for the Chicago Tribune back in uh, the 90s, early 90s. He was an atheist and an agnostic, and his wife came to saving faith in Christ. Uh, he did not want to believe. He stood against his wife. He said, I'm going to prove this. And with with his investigative skills, he set out to prove that Jesus Christ did not raise from the dead. Uh, he wrote a book called Calls, Calls for Christ. And over a year and a half, he studied uh, the Bible, but outside the Bible, historical evidence that proved that Jesus rose from the dead. And he proved, uh, he didn't prove what he wanted to prove, but he proved that Christ rose from the dead. And he knew he came up to that day where he was ready to receive Jesus. And he was all in because he had studied a year and a half. And what a glorious day. He, he has his testimony out there on the internet. I invite you to, to study at Lee Strobel. But there is proof. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead is the exclamation mark on us becoming Christian. And us being a Christian and us living like Christ because he has risen. He is alive. We just said it before, I'm alive because he's alive. The moment that the stone rolled away and Jesus rose from the dead, it opened the door for us to live eternally in the presence of God. Think about that. The door was opened and God has never shut it since. His arms are out wide for everyone. Come to me, all you who are weary, right? For God so loved the world. My question today is, do we love the world like God loves the world? The people in the world. Because over uh, a few books later, it says, don't love the things in this world. Don't be lured into lusting after temporary things. But love God and love people. Love God and let that love for God motivate you to love people. And so this morning, we want to see
um, this resurrected Christ. You know, Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, in verse 10, out of the uh, Passion Translation, he's, the, he, Paul wrote this at the, the very end of his life when he was in prison. And so he wrote it to the Philippian church, and he made this statement. After, this is a man who saw Jesus, who had an experience on the road to Damascus, and the presence of Jesus, uh, um, <laughs> it was so powerful it knocked him off of the horse that he was riding, right? At the end of his life, he said this, And I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. So that should be our desire, to, uh, to, to know him and the wonders of his person more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in us. He's one with us and we're one with him. All that he has is available to us just by believing and receiving. God is not holding anything back from us. He has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. I believe that this past year, we've witnessed an all-out attack of the enemy on mankind through fear. Someone made this statement last year, and I took note of it. Uh, that the fear behind the virus is going to prove more deadly than the actual virus. And this has proven to be true. Sure, there have been many around the world who've died from the virus and the complications from the virus, but there have been many more died from the effects, the collateral damage, actually. There's been suicide, drug addiction, overdose, divorce, child abuse, sexual abuse, mental illness, crime, job loss, and the list goes on and on and on. And sickness, guys, sickness is the result of Adam's disobedience. And the enemy uses sickness to kill people. God didn't invent sickness, and he doesn't use sickness to teach anybody anything. It's not, sickness is not a good teacher. The Holy Spirit is the teacher, right? And so I want to talk a little bit about this fear. And I want to talk about death. Because I believe that Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane faced the fear of death before he was crucified. Death actually means separation from life. There's the physical death. And then there is eternal death. Or... Uh, separation from eternal life and so this is a result of sin this is a result of Adam not obeying what God told him to do and he disobeyed God we could say that he rebelled because God gave him a command and he failed to do it and which with with Adam's sin it brought fear on the earth and we've been dealing with fear ever since but Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, the resurrection, the power of his resurrection, defeated death. That's hard for, for our, our head to, to wrap around. But uh, the, the, the fear of death is attractive to the mind. That's why you see so many movies and such a, a lot of money made on terror. And, and terror 
realistic terror, terror movies and then uh, super, uh, supernatural type terror movies. People, you, you see some of this stuff and you wonder, where do these people get this? Where do, where do these people come up with this? The devil? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's one source of fear, and that's the devil. The fear, the fear of death is, is one of the primary fears that we all deal with, right? And the mind is attracted to this thing called death. We don't understand it, but we're attracted to it at the very same time. That's why you, you saw with the Chinese COVID-19 virus that the, they were focusing on the numbers of the dead. The dead. The dead. And every time you watch something on the news, there's the numbers of the dead. Did that deal with your mind like it did, dealt with my mind? Like, all these people are dying. I wonder if I could die. If this is really deadly. Right? We, we dealt with it. Our... our you know, it's over and over, and they play the numbers over and over, and, and, and now the vaccine's out, and they're playing the numbers of how many people died from the vaccine, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, the suicides, the number of suicides that have been attributed to this period of time that this pandemic has been going on. And, and so let me take you to a scripture that explains w where this came from. It's John 10.10. 10. I call it the dividing line of the Bible. But it's, it's very clear. And, and God wants us to know. He hasn't hidden anything from us. Um, he wants us to realize who the enemy is and how to resist him. The fact that the enemy is been, has been defeated and is being defeated by those that walk in their authority... In Christ, because Christ gave us authority over the enemy. That's why First Peter says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. John 10 and verse 10 says, the thief, talking about Satan, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's a threefold mission that the enemy's on. Steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full, or have abundant life. And he was making a distinction there, not just sustaining life that you would live on the earth, but eternal life, that, that you are an eternal spirit, and that you will live forever in the presence of the Father. Jesus came to provide life, but he draws this distinction. It's a contrast and comparison. The devil is bad, God is good. Let's say that together. The devil is bad and God is good. There's, listen, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of churches today that are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, but they're not saying anything about the devil. Shh. Let's, if we pretend that he doesn't exist, maybe he'll leave us alone. Newsflash, he likes to be ignored. It's kind of like when you were in elementary school and... And you're standing in line for the lunch line to get your lunch. And us guys used to, I tell them myself, us guys used to play this joke. We would tap somebody or hit somebody upside the head about three people ahead of us. Pow! And then slip back in line. And the person that got hit thought that it was the person behind them. The, the devil loves to do that. Pow! And then, where did he go? Who was it? Shh! Right? 
Jesus said, Jesus exposed the enemy right here. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come, and the life of Christ is greater than the law of sin and death. The life of Christ is greater than any power that the enemy has. If the enemy was so powerful, he would have kept Jesus in the tomb. But he couldn't. And so he lost. And Jesus turned and gave that authority to the church. So we all have one common enemy, and his name is Satan. His mission is to steal, kill, and destroy, and his number one tactic is fear. He wants people to be afraid. And this fear of death, and the fear of man, and the fear of the government, and being a slave to fear is like walking dead. The walking dead, right? So look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. The New Living Translation, I think they'll put it up there. This, this, this says it. These two verses say it like it is. Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. He had to become one of us, right? He had to take flesh on to defeat the enemy. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil. Who had the power of death. Past tense, had. He had the power of death. But because Jesus defeated him, the devil doesn't have the power of death. Death is only the doorway into eternal life. Listen at verse 15. Only in this way could he, Jesus, set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying or the fear of death. So if you're in Christ, I'm going to make an announcement to you this morning. You have been set free from the fear of dying. <laughs> You've been set free. You're no longer a slave. God did not create you or anyone else to be a slave to fear. We have nothing to be afraid of. God is our source. He's our protector. And we can see that right now, a lot of believers are in a place where the disciples were back when Jesus died. In John chapter 20, it talks about the disciples hiding in fear. Can you imagine what they were dealing with? The disciples. They had followed Jesus for over three years. And he provided for them. They didn't have to go out and look for a job. They, they, were, they, were, they were sustained by, by Jesus. And he said, you know, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And he invited them on his team. And so he provided for them wasn't like they had to go out and take another job but they were focused on him and he became their source and after three years their source died that's why they they were worried at the very end of this when Jesus was talking about uh, being crucified on the cross and he had to go and he he had to go to heaven and they didn't understand that they, they and Peter said no no Lord you don't have to go 
And Jesus, you know, rebuked Peter for talking from the head and not really understanding of the heart. And, and so you can imagine what they were dealing with. Well, if Jesus died and he was crucified, then maybe they're coming after me because I was associated with Jesus. And they knew that I was part of his team. And so, you know, everybody scattered. They were all afraid. Maybe they're coming to crucify me next. So they experienced the fear of death because they were connected to Jesus. And they ran and hid because it was highly likely that they could be captured and hung on a cross like he was. And maybe today your life seems like a grave or like Pastor Sheila said, a rut that's really a grave with both ends kicked out. Especially this past year. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you've experienced some type of death. Maybe the death of a relationship that went bad. Um, I believe that God can. And I believe that He will bring life out of that. He's the one that can bring life out of a grave. The response that Jesus had when he came to his disciples was, was awesome. Look at, in John chapter 20, as they are hiding out, waiting to find out what was next. What do we do next? We're just going to go hide. We're going to quarantine ourselves. <laughs> we don't know what to do. So we're going to go in quarantine. Lockdown. And as they're there, Jesus responds. He always responds. He doesn't want us to be quarantined. Doesn't want us to be locked down in a grave. John 20, verse 26, says, After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. And Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Peace. Jesus' first words to his disciples were peace. And the words of peace coming from the Prince of Peace destroyed the fear of death. Can you imagine the joy that came? He, he walks through the walls, not even using the door, to prove that his body was transfigured and, and glorified. He was on his way to his father to take the blood to the mercy seat. But he stopped. How, how kind. That word just doesn't have the impact, right? How kind. How much love did he have for those that traveled with him and stood with him for those years? He had to come and tell them. He had to reestablish them in faith and not fear. Pull them out of the fearful grave, that the fear of death, by those words. Peace. Peace be to you. How did Jesus still the storm? Peace be still. I believe Jesus is speaking that right now to some people here. Peace. 2020 is gone. The path is brighter. The best is yet to come. I can, I can bring a garden out of a grave. I can bring life where the world says, you're done, you're finished. 
This is the first thing that Jesus said when he appeared to his disciples. And then his second response was proof. First was peace and then was proof. We'll keep reading in verse 27, John 20, 27 and 28. Then he said to Thomas, look at this. Reach your finger here and look at my hands. And reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said, My Lord and my God. That moment, that unbelief left Thomas. That fear. There's always fear behind unbelief. There's always fear behind doubt. The root of it is fear. What if I'm wrong? What if you're right? But I love how Jesus came and proved himself. God wants to prove himself. Can you, can you take hold of that today? He wants to prove himself to you. Not that he has to prove that he's God, because he is all-powerful, whether you believe it or not. He wants to prove to you that he's faithful to his word. He wants to prove to you that he's alive. I like how Thomas believed. And people like to identify Thomas as an unbeliever or as a doubter. They call him Doubting Thomas. But in the end, Thomas believed. Does that speak to us about how we look at people? How we judge them? Well, Thomas was a doubter. And as if you've never doubted? <laughs> right? How does Jesus teach... Uh, how does Jesus treat your doubt? Jesus understands that we must move from this place of doubt into this place of faith. And he's patient and he works with us. God doesn't demand us to believe in him. It was natural when Thomas saw and he touched and he felt, my Lord... My God. Isn't that awesome? Jesus loves you. And his response to you is that he wants to prove. He wants to bring you peace and he wants to prove to you. And so, how about our response? What is our response? We see Jesus' response. John 11 is where Jesus uh, was asked to come to his friend's tomb. Lazarus. And Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, sequestered Jesus and said, come. And, uh, you know, when he got there, they said, you're too late. Because if you were here, he wouldn't have died. But Jesus knew that he wasn't late and he wasn't early. He's always right on time. And so, Jesus is there at Lazarus' tomb. And, and I love how he takes this grave and turns it into a garden. He calls life from this place of death. It's almost like in Genesis 20 where Joseph was thrown into a pit by his brothers, considered dead, but then God's grace rescued Joseph. And it says in Genesis 20, what Joseph said was, after it was all said and done, he said, God takes what the enemy meant for harm yes. and turns it into good. That's right. 
And so God is the only one that can do that. But Jesus is talking to Martha about her brother. And Martha is worried about her brother. Jesus, if you'd have been here earlier, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus' response was, I am the resurrection and the life. And then I like what he asked after he tells Martha that fact. I am the resurrection and life. He asked her, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And so, when we believe, he can turn graves into gardens. Like we were singing. He can turn beauty into ashes. He can turn shame into glory. He can turn mourning into dancing. He's the only one that can. He can, de- he, he can take a dead end and turn it into a highway to a bigger and better place. So the question is, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? As the church, we enter into that door of belief. When we say, yes, Jesus, I believe you are the resurrection and the life. And in that moment, our DNA changes. Our spiritual DNA changes from defeat to victory. We can see it in the upper room. When, when the church received the person of the Holy Spirit and the power was experienced, they became a defeated hiding bunch of afraid guys that denied Jesus, Peter denied Jesus, they became a victorious group of Christ followers that knew the power in the name of Jesus. Think about the victory that we've won already over death and the enemy. We have already won the victory over death, hell, and the grave. 1 Corinthians 15, 52 through 55. We make statements like, we've won over death, hell, and the grave. Listen, we do know that we're human and that we live in a human body and that this body was, uh, before Adam sinned, this body was designed to live eternally, but because of the sin coming on the earth, there is decay. The world is decaying. The world is groaning under the weight of sin. But death doesn't have to have sting. Here it is, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? And if you keep reading in in verse 57, just a couple of uh, verses down, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the church began in the upper room. The church began with an infilling of the power of the Holy Spirit that lifts us above the circumstances. Our lives are not determined by what's going on around us, but they're determined because we have the Prince of Peace. We can walk into a situation and say, peace be still. 
And it brings comfort. It brings joy. It brings love. The love of God on the scene. Isaiah 25, 8, it says, He will swallow up death forever and will wipe away the tears from all faces. Revelation 1, 18 says like this, And the living one, I died, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. This is Jesus talking. And I have the keys of death and Hades. The resurrection means that death has been defeated. And through the resurrection, Jesus has reversed the curse. So today is the day that you need to bury your fear and let God resurrect your faith. Let God resurrect your faith today. If you've doubted in the past, like Lee Strobel was a atheist agnostic, I mean probably some other things mixed in there. I'm just choosing not to believe because I don't want to believe. And then he got mad because his, his wife became saved. And he was out to disprove God. I love to read the stories of people that are out to disprove God. And then phew, their life, like suddenly the light bulb comes on. Wow. And the next thing is, what have I been missing all this time? What have I been missing all this time? There's no day that like today. There's no place like right here. There's no person like you. Jesus wants to prove himself to you and show you that he's faithful. He's loving. He's been waiting. His mercy and his grace are there. We have to choose to receive life. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, we, have, we must believe in our heart so it's not with our head that we come into salvation it's with our heart we believe in our heart God gave us a heart that we might believe we believe in our heart and then we confess with our mouth that Jesus rose from the dead and he's alive and it seems very simple and I believe that it is I, I don't believe God made it hard we just have to take a step of faith and believe with a heart in order to say it with our mouth. Do you believe? Do you believe is the question. My dad is a good example of the heart and the, and the head. He lived his life until he was 57, had cancer twice, they removed the cancer the first time. It came back even worse the second time. And they did all that they could do. Radiation, everything, chemo, everything. Sent him home to die. And he's sitting at home um, waiting to die. When a woman from his church who was... Her and her husband were friends of my dad and his wife. And... The woman was going to church to meet her husband because he was there practicing music and she was on her way in the car and the Lord told her, don't go to church tonight, stop by and visit 
my dad, Skip. So she turned the car down the corner, around the corner, went to the house and showed up in the house where my dad and his wife were. She walked in, they talked, oh, it's so good to be home because they sent my dad home from the hospital. And out of the blue, my dad started bringing up this story of him when he was on the operating table and they were losing him. Vital signs were almost gone and he had an out of the body experience. My dad was a civil engineer, <laughs> very logical man. He would not tell a, a story of out of body experience unless it actually happened. <laughs> and so he's telling the story with the fear of the Lord on his voice. He gets to the end of the story. He, he said, I left my body and I went down. I went down, down, down. And the further I went down, the colder it got. And all I could see was shadows. When he finished the story, he says, I don't want to ever experience that again. So she knew in that moment why she had come to visit my dad. She said, have you ever asked Jesus in your heart? Have you ever given your life to him? Have you ever decided to follow him? And he said, well, one time I did, but it was with my head because my son, not, not me, my younger brother, was really persistent, very forceful. Dad, you've got, you've got to pray this prayer with me. And so he said, okay, 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 all right. He prayed the prayer, but he knew that it was from here and not from here. And so in that moment, my dad acknowledged that he had mentally agreed with the fact that Jesus is Lord. So she prayed with him immediately. His hands went up, the tears came down. And she said, I, I sense the presence of God in your dad's living room. She told me this at my dad's funeral. My wife, my family, and I were over in Europe when my dad passed away. But I did get to talk to him a few days before he died and ask him about his salvation. So today, I want to ask you if you believe. Do you believe? What do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and life? Just like Jesus asked Martha. He's asking you today, do you believe? Let's close our eyes. Think about this question. Now, this question is not between you and I. Jesus is asking you, do you believe? This is a solemn moment. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come up here. But I do want to ask you to sincerely answer the question. If you've never invited Jesus, you've never acknowledged that he is the son of God that he rose from the dead today I want to invite you to do that we're we're going to pray a prayer all together we're going to say it out loud we're going to use some words it's not a form it's not a formula but it's a heartfelt request for Jesus to come into your life and then a commitment to follow him all the days of your life and if you want to do that this morning, I invite you to say that with us. Make that decision. 
be sure. This is the point where you destroy the fear of death through the resurrection power of Jesus and your choice. Let's all say this together. Heavenly Father, I do believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That He was born on this earth from a virgin. That He gave His life and He shed His blood. He was buried in a tomb. But He rose again. He's alive forevermore. And today I choose Jesus as my Savior. Jesus, I will follow you and seek you all the days of my life. You're my Lord and you're my Savior today and forever. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I will walk in power over all fear. In Jesus' name. Amen.